Here we are. Here we are. Just <laughs> literally talking about how tired we are right before we get on. Like, yeah, I'm like, Ugh. oh man. Honestly, it's don't yeah. mean to start off. Yeah, don't mean to start off on a no. Hello, I mean, we're tired. We can, yeah, literally. <laughs> Welcome. We're so tired. <laughs> Let us remind you how exhausted you are. (laughs) You trying to escape your day? You tired? (laughs) Welcome to the tired club. Well, actually, it's so funny. Was I talking to... I was like, I walked in from my workout today or I walked in from walking outside today and I walked inside and I was thinking, I'm like, I'm so tired. But I was thinking to myself, am I? Or is that just like a track that I play? Yeah. Where I just kind of am used to saying that I'm tired. And another thing to that, I was talking to Anna, our amazing moderator, one of our amazing moderators of the most amazing moderators in the world for our Facebook group. And I was asking how she was. And she's like, you know, I'm I'm, I'm good. I'm really good. And she goes, no, I'm like really good. And it's funny how... And then started to explain how she is really happy and she's doing really well and she's really succeeding and how we stutter over the words when we are when we have to say that we're doing well. And I especially do that. Like I always think of what's bad so I don't have to be like, I'm amazing. Completely. You Like if someone came up to you and you were like, how are you? And you were like, I'm amazing. It would almost be like you're waiting for them to explain something after as well. Or to be kidding. And also like... If you're not amazing, it's depending on how much, how you've integrated that, it's probably hard to be around people who are amazing. For sure. So the person who's feeling amazing might feel like they need to have, like, you know, offer a caveat of like, but like, Mm -hmm. I'm just so overwhelmed, but like things are really good, but like I'm really overwhelmed just to make the other person feel like they're on their level. For sure. But I don't, I don't know if that serves, I don't know if that serves people. Yeah. Truth serves people. But I just noticed her stutter when she said that. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Because I think I do that as well. If someone's like, how are you? And I'm doing well. I'm like, yeah, I'm... No. Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to think of like what I... It's Also, I sometimes don't even know what I am. I know. Same. That's That's most of mine. I'm blank lately. Like, how are you? I'm like... I literally look around. I'm like, me? (laughs) What do you mean? (laughs) What are you talking about? Who are you talking to? I'm good. Um, yeah, I've been I've been quite quite blank, and I've been convincing myself. Maybe it's, I think it's true that it's like purposeful that I feel kind of blank. Mm. So it's like not necessarily super creative, and not necessarily I don't necessarily have a ton to say right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> feel that I host a podcast, so this is a problem. I but um, yeah, I don't know. Like instead of being frustrated with it, I'm just letting it rip. Letting it be. Yeah, being frustrated is not the vibe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway. we'll see you guys next week. <laughs> <laughs> this is a podcast about allowing you guys, giving your permission to not have something to say always. <laughs> just let yourself not have something to say. Oh. But that's actually a great point. And I want to talk about health stuff. Mm-hmm. But you don't always have to say something. Hey, world. Hey, social media. You don't always have to say something, whether you like it or not. You can be with whatever you think and keep it in. I've learned in observing and being a part of what the social media thing is, is that like saying something for the sake of saying something and then being heard by whoever you want 
to hear what you're saying, Mm -hmm. wow, actually doesn't give you the validation and satisfaction that you think it will. Mm -hmm. I have to get to 100K and then I'll know. (laughs) (laughs) Once I'm at 100K followers, then I'll know. Because it... It's very, it's very surface level. Like, and so if you can see something online, observe it, notice how it makes you feel, and then from there, maybe go farther in, maybe do some research, maybe have a conversation in person with someone Mm -hmm. about it. That's like a bit more grounded, but like there's something that happens when you start typing on your phone or on your computer that like just. I don't know. Gets a little fuzzy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. What's that movie where the hands are like possessed? Idle hands. <laughs> I've never watched it. Yeah. I'm not a, I don't watch scary movies. Yeah, I don't do that. Not zero percent. Yeah. <laughs> no. But it was nice today when we were talking about, you know, you being in New York and just walking. I mean, last time I was living in New York, I was doing 400 workouts a day. Yeah. Just blasting myself. And I actually did a workout at a place that we've worked out frequently and they have outside now and it's all social distanced from each other. And the trainer was drinking bang energy. (laughs) And I was like, "Uh, yo, how is your adrenals? I mean... And he's like, I have to keep switching because I have to keep finding a more intense (laughs) pre-workout. And I'm like, okay. And then we're like at the workout and he's like, you know, he noticed people weren't really tired. Mm. And he's like, you know, I've had to make these a lot easier. Over the years, they were too hard. (laughs) I've had to make these way, way, way easier. Dude, I kind of miss like trainers that just have For such sure. a, a strong personality and ego. Yes. <laughs> I kind of miss And then he was like, did them. you guys see the bobcat that ate the guy on TikTok? And I was like, no, wasn't on my feet. <laughs> and he's like, well... I wrote a post about it recently because I have advice for like what that guy should have done when the bobcat came. What you should do (laughs) is not go big and then run. You should go big and freak him out instead of going big and running. Like his, he was like commenting. He made a whole Instagram post about his reaction to a a man getting like eaten by a bobcat. I love this guy. Love (laughs) you know him. Awesome. (laughs) We're trying to we're trying to you know him. Who else? The man, the myth. Oh, oh! Why'd you go there? Yeah, I know. Because I am in desperate need. I'm in desperate. The spot. I would love to go with you next time and just fucking. Yes, yes. And then today I was working out, and um, one of the trainers was asking me. He's like, "Oh, where are you from?" I was like, "From Ohio." And he's like, "Oh yeah, Skyline Chili." I'm like, "Yep, Skyline Chili." I'm like, "The last thing I, the last meat I ate in like fifth, like ten years. I don't even know." And he's like, oh yeah, it's so gross, blah, blah, blah. Which, you know, at the time I loved it. I'm gonna be honest, I loved it. And there was a girl in the class, she's like, you don't eat meat? I'm like, I'm like, no, I haven't eaten in a while. She's like, don't you just look at a burger and you want a burger? And literally started to say every stereotypical thing you say to people <laughs> that don't eat meat. And I'm like, we're in LA. And also, no, I don't want a no, burger. No, I don't want a burger. I want a burger, I want a burger. And she was like... I just could never do that. I'm like, I just could never imagine on the other side me being like, oh my God, you eat burgers? You know, or, or like questioning a stranger on their eating. It was just so weird. I'm Especially like, because it's a stranger. Yeah. She's like, where do you get I would just like, Do you just get it from dairy, milk, eggs, and cheese? I'm like, are you like USDA certified? <laughs> what are you talking about? I literally go, no, don't ask me. Like, what are you talking about? I'm going to do my plant protein dance for you. First, 100%. Yes. And a chickpea. Yes. Yeah, man. I mean, 
strangers when they have a lot to say is a whole a whole other thing. I want to I, I want to do something that freaks them out, like in mm-hmm. that situation. Yeah, could you? Like, I I eat <laughs> like eat something weird or just stare at her. Yeah, I know. I kind of think of something. I was just like whatever. Do I just said I was like you know I eat what I eat. You eat, eat what you eat, and the world goes round. I said that the last thing I said. I was like I eat what I eat. You eat beautiful. what you eat. The world goes round. Don't talk to me. That's beautiful. You should do an Instagram post about that I interaction. Will. I eat what you eat. <laughs> I've never been, I've, I've been about my vegan life, but I've never been about it in the way where I would ever tell, I'm like, you oh, You want to know the facts? I've got the facts, but I don't care. What do you mm-hmm. do? Whatever you, everyone's going to do what they want to do. Yes. And also, it's not like I'm doing carnivore diet. Like, this, this, <laughs> like that's newer. Like, you know what I mean? Like the new diets, people are like, whoa, what are you doing? But like, this yes. isn't new. Not new. Whatever. Not new. Whatever with a twist. <laughs> The other night, Lindsay goes, whatever, man. And like after this text, I was like sending her this text to review. She's like, whatever, man. I just sent the W. It's like, whatever. <laughs> oh, man. I, uh, yeah. You just I, ate a bagel for a snack. That's letting loose. Yep. That's letting loose. Yeah. We wanted, to, we wanted to briefly talk about just like what's been up with our health choices and just, you know, overall, I feel like we've relaxed very much. I just ate a bagel. It was a sprouted bagel, but it was a bagel. Yeah, I just am very much not worrying and it feels great. Mm-hmm. And I know that that's probably a... I don't know if it's a luxury. I don't know, but... I think it's I, a mental luxury. Yeah, I just used to be really... I mean, so many of us writing down calories, writing down what I eat every day, worrying about, did I work out enough to burn this off? Worrying about just so much mental space that I have back now. And mm-hmm. it's really, really nice. I was looking back at our my journal from four years ago because I was trying to look for stuff about almost 30. And I found... For, I found the first interview we did with Lacey. It was yes. like four years ago, but it had these crazy notes. But And then I found some goals that I made and... Every single time I made a goal, it started with what my goal weight was. Mm. So it'd be like goal weight, then it'd be like speak at an event or whatever the other goal was. But every single time it would start with the weight number. Every time I was like, oh my God. Wow. I forgot about... I just was looking at... I'm like, I forgot about that. And it was like weight number. And it was like, be down by this. And it was just so... Such a time. I was Mm -hmm. like, oh wow, that was such a time where I was doing that. But... Yeah, I'm glad that I don't write down any goals. <laughs> I was at the doctor the other day and they asked how much I weighed. I was like, I don't know. I yeah. was like, you don't have a scale, do you? <laughs> Did they? No, we didn't. I was like, I don't really... Care. I can give you an totally. estimate. Yeah. Do, you, do you need to I'm know? like, I'm between 100 and 300. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, just overall more relaxed. And what I've noticed is like that being more relaxed actually allows my body to digest better, mm-hmm. yeah, recover more easily. There's just like so many connections to not being so like, oh, like just really squeezing and attached to every every little number, every little goal, every little thing, every little should do. Just feel so much better. It takes time. It does take Mine time. Mine was four years ago. I still... It takes time and it's just some days you're like, oh, I kind of want to get back to that. I kind of want to be tight. I kind of want to be mm-hmm. whatever, but it does feel good to be way more relaxed about it. And I think being home helps. 
Yeah. I think not traveling helps, yeah. you know, which is really beautiful. But I'm excited for this conversation with Ara because, you know, this year, especially when we're talking about important topics, immunity health is one of those and just health in general. So really understanding our body better, understanding our microbiome better, understanding what we can do to improve our immunity, improve our gut health, improve our brain function through the health of the microbiome is so powerful. And that's why we wanted to do this episode, especially now during this time, so that we could think about the microbiome's effect on immunity to overall you know, help stay protected against COVID or anything that's going on um, in the world. Yeah, she's incredibly knowledgeable. So this was like jam-packed. It was like very much uh, information that you'll need during this time. Just to give you a little bit of a background. So Ara is a co-founder of Seed, which is a uh, symbiotic. Basically, we offer a symbiotic, which is a prebiotic and probiotic in one. They are just heavily backed by science. And they are really um, just redefining how the efficacy of creating supplements and how they educate their consumers, which is so important. Uh, She also advises a lot of startups across the health tech and consumer verticals. Uh, She's just... Yeah, she is a dynamic woman. She was named 50 Most Influential Women in America uh, by Marie Claire and listed on Business Insider's Silicon Alley Top 100. She's a rock star. So really, really grateful for this conversation. Uh, You can learn more about Seed at seed.com. Yeah, I love this one. So in this, we talk about immunity. We talk about microbiome. We talk about preventative measures to keep safe against COVID. Um, We also love that Seed has packaging that is helpful for... Or it's good for the environment. So you can... It's made from plants. They used to have something in the packaging that was made from mushrooms, actually. Um, And they're just super thoughtful about all places in which their company touches and the environmental impact that they have. Mm -hmm. So we just love the way that they operate as a brand. We really look up to them for the way that they are thoughtful about their team, the way they reach people through you know their seed influencer program, the way that they impact the environment, and then the way that they're thoughtful about their actual product. So this is really, really, really good. Yeah. Love it. Uh, thank you all for listening. As always, subscribe on Apple Podcasts so you get the episodes on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And we have our new Paradigm Digital Workshop series Yay. happening, which uh, we're so proud of. It's, it's one of those uh, things that you know, during the time of COVID, we're like, how can we still connect with people? And how can we provide them with conversations and just deep dives into topics and um, things that, you know, will help help you to better know yourself and just kind of navigate this time and beyond. So new paradigm digital workshop series uh, happening this month and next. You can find out more at almost 30.com. Yeah, sound healing, light language. We also have breath work. It's going to be a really good month. We also have poetic. Yeah, so poetic healing with Ngozi. And this is going to be a really unique experience. And I've found so much healing in writing. And so she's as a life coach, is going to set a really uh, beautiful, safe container so that we can express ourselves and be incredibly vulnerable and authentic and just find healing in our words. Yep, it's going to be awesome. So almost30.com. You can check out the new Paradigm Digital Series. Our shop is there. Our apparel's there. All downloadables, courses, workshops. We also help podcasters launch, grow, and monetize with your Podcast Pro. 
We've got everything in there for you. And then we're on all socials. Almost 30 podcasts on Instagram and YouTube. We got video on YouTube. So if you want to see your girls, come hang and enjoy this episode. If it resonates, if you feel like it's helpful, would love if you shared with a friend. That's how we've grown. And that's how we've been able to spread some almost 30 love. We love you guys. We'll see you on the other side. We have a few things. Enjoy this episode. Bye. Understanding like the relevancy of the microbiome of, you know, gut health. So much of what you do is like new paradigm business. Um, and we're we're rolling. So um there's that part of it. So I would love to talk about the microbiome and immunity and health. And then also want to talk about, you know, you being like a new paradigm business leader, because I think it's so important. And I think what you guys do is so special and thoughtful. But right now, you know, where we are today, immunity is such a big thing. It's so, it's something that's on everyone's minds. And I actually don't understand too much the correlation between the microbiome and your immunity or not staying sick. Sick. Jesus. Um, could you talk? It helps, it helps you stay stay really sick. It's main job. Yes, literally. Mm-hmm. Could you tell us a little a bit about the connection between the microbiome and immunity? Absolutely, sure. So, I mean, they, there's different percentages that get thrown around, but um, you know, essentially, seventy five to eighty percent, you know, of your immune system lives in your gut, which is, I think, actually why people, when they say gut health, they mean like so much more than just like the the localized digestive health. Um, although of course it's incredibly, you know, important and plays a big role in like digestion, but you know, your immune system, if you think about your immune system, which, uh, is really set up to help your body determine whether something is kind of friend or foe. Um, and of course you guys know from like autoimmune diseases or allergies, like it can also really misfire, right? Like it can be mistrained uh, and then also really not understand and think something that is friendly is foe and then mount an immune response. And so if you think about like the best way to think about, and I'll, I'll kind of throw out some cool ways of visualizing it, but every external surface or every surface of your body that kind of touches the external world in some way is part of your immune system. There are microbes that exist on every single surface of your body that help your body determine your skin included, your eye. Actually, they know there's an optical microbiome now. Your nose, we're actually, uh, by the time this comes out, we, we have a COVID nasal microbiome trial starting at Cornell to understand like the ecosystem of the nose, of, of the microbial ecosystem of the nose and like its impact on, on, on how severely someone gets COVID, for example. So, um, so like all of these surfaces are part of your immune system and part of like helping your body determine information comes into your skin. For example, if you have some sort of allergic response or to into your, you know, obviously allergies, like where it causes this irritation, it causes the response. But the cool thing is that, okay, so you're saying, okay, like I get that for external surfaces, like I get the skin's an external surface, but the gut, your GI system is an external surface. And I'll explain to you why. So your mouth, there's two holes, your mouth and your anus. And there's one tube that control, literally connects them end to end. If you think about it, they both touch the external world, which means that that is actually like an external surface because there's nothing that closes it off on either side. 
So it's considered actually like you're, you know, and so it's, it's interesting when you start. And, and the cool thing is that, that that wall that separates your GI system, your whole gut, that tube is actually about one cell thick. So think about like half a human hair. And that tube has, if it, if it doesn't have, if, if, and I'm sure you heard of like leaky gut, for example, but that the integrity of that wall is basically the, the difference between something staying in your digestive tract and your GI system and being in the, and, and leaking out into your body, right? Which is then when your body starts to think, oh, there's something coming in that's not supposed to be here. I will mount an immune response. And so it's, it's just important to think about because um, it's a cool way of understanding like why it's such a meaningful part of your immune system. And then your lower GI, which is really where your gut is, that's where the majority of your microbiome is and your microbes are. Um, and they're a really big part of uh, how your body determines um, how to respond to information. Food is information, environmental factors, of course, things you put on your body's information, uh, what you are exposed to that you can't see is information. COVID is information, right? Like, like you think about everything external as information and then your body is like responding to that information. And, uh, and the other important way to think about it is that your gut, you know, again, where like the most microbes exist in your body, um, you know, there's more, I think the, the, there's more, more microbes below your belly, <laughs> below your belly button than there are stars in like the Milky Way galaxy as a, as a really crazy way to think about it, right? Three to five pounds of your body, our microbes, they're not human parts that are meant to do things to keep us healthy. And a lot of that is, of course, part of your immune system. And so um, another really cool way of thinking about it and the health of my gut health and like immunity are so connected is if you think about like a rainforest and you think about, if you look at a rainforest that's healthy, it's lush, it has like all different kinds of species and different, um, it feels very like diverse and all kinds of different plants and animals kind of like residing together and living uh, in, in this kind of very diverse ecosystem. And you can think that if something bad happened to that ecosystem that was incredibly diverse, it would probably come back faster and be more resilient and come back to that place of stasis than like a rainforest that had lost, unfortunately, like is what's happening today. Uh, a lot of it's species and had very was very sparse both in terms of the amount of plants but also in terms of the number of species of different animals and wildlife and plants for example and soil and the soil and so you it, it's important to think about because the immune system like the the health the more diverse and rich and abundant your gut is the more resilient it will be in terms of quote unquote keeping you healthy um, so like, it's not that bad things won't happen. It's that the more you're starting with that lush rainforest, the more it can return back to that in the face of food poisoning or taking a course of antibiotics or um, going through a period where you don't eat as well as, you, as you're used to or drinking a lot for a period of time, you know? So I think that that's a, hopefully, anyway, it was a long way to explain yeah. that, but hopefully that's helpful. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a really helpful analogy. The second part to that question I'm thinking about is like the sterilization of things right now. So yeah. it's making sure everything is clean and sterile. And I'm just, I understand, right? Like on a very yes. base level of like, okay, so we want to make sure that surfaces and things don't have uh, necessarily the the bacteria of COVID. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to say it, but um, yes. I'm wondering 
how that does that affect our microbiome and or the the microbes on our skin? Um, should we be paying attention mm-hmm. to that? You know, it's like in anything in in health is like a trade off, right? Of like of of determining like acute threat versus like chronic long term issues. I think the way to think about it is that, and one of our advisors, Marty Blazer, uh, Dr. Martin Blazer, uh, speaks. He wrote a book called Missing Microbes. So, if you're asking me that over time, has the long-term exposure to a very sterilized and like maybe more urban, uh, less microbial diverse like environment, has that impacted our health? The belief is that the correlation with like the rise of autoimmune disease and type two diabetes and asthma and allergies absolutely over time has caused what a lot of scientists refer to as the climate change of our insides, which is this idea that, I don't know if you saw the news this week, I think that they've, they've now said that we've lost about 50% of the wildlife in the, in the world. Um, and so the same thing has happened in our guts. And, there, and a lot, there's a lot of correlation with the rise of those conditions and those issues. Now, <laughs> yes, that's true. And I think in under normal circumstances where you can avoid um, the overuse of antibiotics, for example, you know, clean, like Cloroxing your life. Absolutely. There's of course harm from those chemicals, but also like our, our regular exposure to microbes is part of what trains our immune system. And then of course, like in, in nature is part of what, you know, potentially can also um, help increase our, the diversity of our own microbes, the eating of plant, more plants, for example. However, when you, you have to, that's why I was saying, you kind of have to weigh this like acute threat, which is not right now, like use hand sanitizer. <laughs> like it's there, I mean, you're, you're actually the, the palms of your hands are, are actually one of the le- least diverse parts of your skin microbiome. Um, and I think the, uh, what we know about um, the contact with mouth and nose and, and the places where like actually you can contract SARS-CoV-2, like to me, like it's a no-brainer right now to be extra extra cautious um, for the sake of your very the very short. The, I don't think that there's it, they're even like starting to talk about, of course, kids not being out, this long-term quarantining and kids' immune systems and the fact that they're not getting trained the way they're used to. But truthfully, most of the scientists that we speak to just say, like, in the, in the click of time that this is happening in, that this is like a second, while it feels like for forever and there's nothing left to watch on Netflix, like it, it's still, um, it's still a relatively short amount of time for what, what is probably a trade-off that can cost you your life. Yeah. What would someone do in their normal life to really have a healthy microbiome? And then what are some things that would prevent them from having that? It's a great question. There, there's a number of things that, um, both some that are kind of obvious and then people know, but I can explain a little bit about why, um, and others that maybe you wouldn't, necessarily think about. So the, the, the most critical thing from, I mean, I, I think this for health too in general, but is, um, is nutrition and diet. I mean, it's, it's plants and, and fiber specifically, as well as um, some compounds like polyphen- things like polyphenols that are found in like dark ber- like berries, for example. Those are all compounds and, and substances like, like fiber that are, are actually kind of food and or um, compounds that your microbes use to make other things that are good for you or actually use for food themselves to proliferate the beneficial bacteria. 
And so fiber and plants, um, I'd say like a truthfully, like the like plant-based diet is probably one of the most impactful. I know it's a very like the uh, obvious one, but it really is like the, there's a reason that your human digestive system didn't evolve to digest fiber. And it's because we co-evolved with these partners that live in our gut and they need fiber to be able to thrive. And it's kind of like help help them help you. So so fiber and, and plants, I would say, are um, probably number one and a very high number one. Number two, you know, are things like... Um, avoidance. And, and again, it's kind of obvious to say like, don't take antibiotics unless you use them. And there's a lot, I think for your audience, especially that's probably another like, yeah, duh, I knew that. But actually, you know, it's not just antibiotics, but other medicines and other compounds like NSAIDs, which is not our non-steroidal anti-inflammatories. Those are um, things like Advil and, you know, of course, like ibuprofen, even like, you know, specific other uh, compounds that are and, and ingredients from other medicines that we take very like flippantly sometimes, whether it's a NyQuil because you want to go to sleep or what, you know, just the notion that, and I think it's a good thing to think about a way to think about it is that until very recently, we really didn't understand this ecosystem and, and what it does in our body. So everything kind of tested, and I don't want to, I'm not like fear mongering. If you need medicine, you should, you should take it. But to say that all the things you intake, again, information, uh, in the form of an ibuprofen, in the form of acetaminophen, in the form of any, has an impact on your microbiome. Um, and so it's more just making sure you're being mindful, like food being the one example uh, uh, of it, as we talked about, but also things like NSAIDs or things like an ibuprofen. I think a lot of people just kind of take them very like um, promiscuously <laughs> uh, and they do they do impact your microbiome. So just being mindful of when you need um, some of those things. By the way, oregano oil is an incredibly strong antimicrobial. So I don't, it's not like a Western Eastern thing or a natural, quote unquote, natural, not natural. It, it really is that there are very strong antimicrobials and a lot of things people don't often realize. And, uh, and they're not discriminating the same way that antibiotics aren't discriminating. So oregano oil, while it's very, quote unquote, natural, is incredibly strong. Uh, and so it's not like it goes in and it's only like, oh, I'm just going to hurt the bad stuff. You know, like it, it, it really is a true antimicrobial and a strong one and something that people, I think, feel they, they, they don't, there's no way to like overdo it, if that makes sense. And so, uh, and then there's things like avoiding, like there's certain like sweeteners or like artificial sweeteners. Um, probably a lot of your audience isn't like eating things with aspartame, but like, you know, there are some of these like sugar replacements that have actually been demonstrated to have a negative impact on the, on the microbiome. And then there's things like, you know, it, it, things to do that like, like have a dog. <laughs> they've shown, they've shown that having a, a dog can increase microbial diversity, spending time in nature um, for many other reasons, but from a microbial perspective, I think there's um, absolutely certainly a benefit to that. And I think those are some of the big ones. And, and, and also one other notion too is that like the urban environment, while people think the New York City subway is gross and has all these like pathogens and bad bacteria, actually the urban environment is quite sterile. Um, and so uh, getting, you know, some people choose to live out of the city, but if you are going to be in the city, then just being really mindful of some of the things we just kind of talked about um, and getting out of the city and, and being in other in, in other microbial environments is great too. Mm, in nature. Mm -hmm. 
You mentioned um, sugar, and I'm just curious in general, like the role of sugar, um, whether it's yes. natural sugar or not, and and how an excess of sugar affects your microbiome. Yeah, I mean, there's there's um, I like to I like to say, look, all you need to live is glucose and water. So my my co-founder said that kind of all the time, which is you know, like you're on a desert island, uh, a coke will save your life. So you know, just to just to say that your your body does need need glucose or your cells need glucose. Um, you know, the interesting thing about sugar, I mean, it, it, there's, you know, the, the reason I think, you know, and you can look to kind of nature and certainly the natural environment um, uh, for like how some of the, the more sugar dense foods also evolved in fibrous foods, right? So there's, there's an interplay of not just sugar by itself, but of course what it's consumed with. I mean, the, the, the alternative sugars like if you're saying like, oh, it's coconut sugar or it's like, they're sugar. Like they're, they are sugar. And as far as I, and, and I have not looked into this uh, closely, but as um, I've never seen anybody uh, do a study that demonstrates that the quote unquote, like and natural doesn't necessarily mean anything, but the, the ones that are marketed as like a natural sugar versus a sugar have much impact. Of course, there's a difference um, in refinement uh, and how they're refined and processed. So. Uh, I imagine that there's some impact uh, there also just in terms of people who want to buy things that uh, potentially have less of a environmental impact. And the sugar industry is quite bad uh, for the environment and has a... How so? I actually didn't know. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, I mean, the, 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 the sugar cane, I mean, you can go... The history of sugar, which actually has been somewhat captured in the 1619 project by the New York Times, and you can go to the beginning of sugar and understand like it's racist and aristocratic and economic, uh, economically disparate, uh, roots to understand that sugar has a, both a pretty gross history to it. Um, the sugar trade, uh, and then even today, um, I mean, sugar cane, uh, the runoff from these plants into like natural water systems. I mean, the, the, the way that sugar has proliferated in our it, outside of the disgusting way, of course, it has impacted our our diet, and then subsequently the rise of these like diseases like type two diabetes and obesity. But when you look at the environmental impact of the sugar industry, it's um, it's it's just as horrific. Um, not to mention the labor practices and the way that 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 uh, the industry even today in a lot of parts of the world continues to. Uh, play out um, and conduct itself. Uh, so the, between environmental, uh, humanitarian, and uh, physiologically, uh, this sugar and this sugar itself uh, is pretty gross. Wow. That's yeah. by the way, vanilla, vanilla nat, quote unquote, natural vanilla is is not dissimilar. There's a tremendous amount of misunderstanding around things like vanilla, also, and right. vanilla extract, and what actually is even possible to get. Uh, in nature versus like what's synthesized. And so there's a lot of things I think we take from quote, we kind of talk about in like the being more natural and it's wonderful marketing. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, definitely in the food industry and in the industry that you're in, all the, the marketing is incredibly misleading and the regulations around it are like so poor for, for, and, and along that vein, you know, for probiotics and prebiotics, what can a consumer or what should a consumer look for what is the differences between them? 
And how do they know, since the supplement industry isn't as regulated as it potentially should be, that what they're getting is effective or helping them? I mean, you know, I can, there's a number of ways to answer answer the question, and and the I mean, the the real truth is that the burden, like many other things, does a bit come down to the consumer, which I wish it didn't. And I think we try and everywhere we can uh, take that burden off. But, you know, I think no matter what, you have to be a skeptic. By the way, I, I we, we hope that of the people that also participate in our community or subscribe and take our products. And so I think no matter what, you have to be a skeptic um, and you have to ask a lot of questions if you're putting something like in your body. Yes, it's true that probiotics are not regulated in the US the way they are in the EU. Like as an example, you can't even use the word probiotic um, in the EU for an over-the-counter first consumer probiotic. It, it has a, a very stringent scientific definition uh, that we adhere to very closely. Um, our chief scientist actually uh, chaired the panel for the UN uh, in 2001 that actually authored that definition and we wrote a paper about it last year. There's definitely uh, a lack of adherence to it. But you know the the truth is, and and you see this across the board with almost everything, which is you know I look I can tell you all the reasons that I think something doesn't qualify for a probiotic under the scientific definition. I can explain everything from fermentation to manufacturing to the dosage that was done in the clinical study versus the dosage that's sold on the shelf. I can tell you the tricks that other companies use on the labels, and we can go through all of that. But at the end of the day, I think one of the most meaningful and important things that people need to listen to is what works for them. And I, I think that there's other cues from companies that can tell you whether or not it's a company that you would let you should try something from. I think anything that's really sensational or hyperbolic or makes really big promises, like I think in general, I have skepticism of. So, I, but at the same time, like, you know, the, the, the body is incredibly complex. People who really suffer. We'll try anything. Um, and sometimes something that you wouldn't expect or they think they like they'll make a big dietary change, but they'll also, for example, start something at that same time, like a, some some sort of probiotic. And maybe we can show that that probiotic literally doesn't survive the GI system. And actually, we don't even know what species it is. It just says, or so we don't know the strain it is, and we just know the species and the label's really misleading. But what in human behavior, like someone doesn't realize that they started eating a lot more plants at the same time. And then they say, well, this probiotic saved my life <laughs> or changed my health. And so, you know, I think that these things, A, sometimes science doesn't know everything. B, I think human behavior is just as complex sometimes around taking care of ourselves and what we want to believe is working than sometimes the most simple changes. And when you're really desperate, and I have a lot of empathy for people who have all kinds of GI or autoimmune conditions, you try a lot of things often at the same time because you just want to fix it. And what that does often is really help in some ways, but what it doesn't do like you would do in like a scientific clinical trial is you can't isolate what the thing was that actually helped. Um, or you don't know that in what combination of things you're doing actually helped. And so, you know, I, yes, there's a very scientific answer, which is I wish We've, we spent we spent our lives bringing like efficacy and precision and education to this category. We do so much science and human clinical work and testing, and we believe greatly in our product. And I think people who take it, who have had extraordinary experiences, like I think that speaks for itself. 
But at the same time, it's complex. Like I know it's not a, it's a, not the best answer on a podcast. And sometimes I'm the worst salesperson because the truth is, is like what works for every human. It doesn't mean that probiotics should be personalized. I, that is not what I'm saying at all. Uh, and actually that's not, I believe where the science, uh, science is or where it's going, but it's complicated. And I think people do try different things and then they work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The strains and species, what's important to know about that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, if you guys, if, if anyone remembers back to like sixth or seventh grade bio, you know, the species, it, it's like, if you don't know the strain, it's like having a dog and not knowing that you um, have a lab or a poodle. That's how different strains can be. And different strains of the same species have been demonstrated in human clinical work to literally have like the opposite effect in the human body. So what a lot of companies do is that they just say the species because they don't, uh, currently the regulation doesn't require the strain itself. And so it literally is like having a dog and not knowing which one you're putting in. And and I'd say if you're putting bacteria in your body, there probably should be some specificity to it. And just on the regulation piece, like at Seed, what is really important as it relates to regulations and efficacy? Yeah, I mean, you know, the the regulatory, the way that we think about this is that there's a very stringent scientific definition of probiotics. Um, we adhere more, while we use the term probiotic and symbiotic and prebiotic, we adhere to more of the EU regulatory just in terms of the burden of efficacy for each strain that um, and and the preserve we preserve the dosage and the fermentation conditions and the pH and the media that the strains are produced in. And so what that means is that we're preserving wherever possible all of the conditions under which the strains were studied in the human body and clinical work that was, that's been published and peer-reviewed. So that's really important because, you know, it's kind of like, I always say the best way to understand it is like saying like, okay, a uh, thousand milligrams of vitamin C does X. And then you go to the shelf and you're buying like some drink that says includes vitamin C to do Y. And then you look at the label and there's like some tiny, small, minimal percentage of that vitamin C uh, ingredient or whatever the source of it was, but they're claiming what was, what's been studied and what's been shown uh, from vitamin C supplementation in like the human body. And so it's incredibly misleading. Um, You know, it's like when you, it's like probiotic tortilla chips or any of these things. It's like the idea that you just throw bacteria in and that it would then have a probiotic effect in the body uh, is already like hard to kind of wrap my <laughs> hard to wrap your head around. But then, like I think in the people in, in the, not the people but the companies that that are using some of these strains, I think then the question is, well, what is what if you're saying the species? What's the strain? And if you're using a specific strain and you're making a claim, what are the conditions under which that strain was studied? And is that what I'm taking? And I think that those are just and and. The, the hard thing about what I'm saying is that you most place, it's very hard to find out. Um, and so uh, that, I think that's, that's a big challenge with the, with the category in general. Yeah. I've always wondered too, like with the differences between why are some refrigerated and some not? Why, why do people do that? Well, some are administered in beverages or like a, like a dairy beverage. So those probably do need some, some level of refrigeration what the survivability is of those and the efficacy uh, in that format, I, I don't, I don't have that data, and it's been hard for us to to get. Some of them, I think, some of them 
I mean, look, bacteria are incredibly sensitive to heat. Heat, light, and moisture are like not good for bacteria. So it's not where they, it's not, it's not going to, certainly not going to help in terms of being able to at least take a chance that you might be able to keep more alive. I think for companies that don't have like a stabilization or delivery technology, I think it's a good insurance policy to like, although the cold storage kind of breaks along the way, right? Because it's going to be delivered or if it's e-commerce, like, you know, it's very rare that you can kind of keep it at that same temperature throughout every part of like getting it from manufacturer to a human. Um, so I think that that obviously there's probably some variability in how the product actually is exposed to temperature during that time. But I think it's just an insurance policy. I think it, it, it also, what it did early on in probiotics was make people believe that if it was refrigerated, it was somehow quote unquote fresher or better. And, uh, and I think that that's kind of where it, where it came from, but I think it put the burden onto the consumer to figure out how to, how to give it, give those microbes the best chance of staying alive, basically. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I've always wanted, I'm like, okay, what? Cause I know with you guys, that's not, but then I mm-hmm. felt like I've never taken any of that worse. I didn't really even know the difference, but I think the part about keeping it consistently cool, it would be like impossible, you know, for anything. So yeah. Yeah. I think you have to, I mean, we, we have like, for example, the technology that we developed, um, we have like 10 day stability and survivability at like a hundred degree Fahrenheit heat for like the entire day for 10 days. So that would have to mean like it would get stuck on a FedEx truck in Arizona in the middle of the summer. And we could still guarantee like that, those numbers for our product. This mm-hmm. is just a small detail, but like in your packaging, it is that darker, that dark green yes. mm-hmm. container. Yeah. So that's all intentional. Yeah, we're actually moving to an even more opaque uh, uh, one as well. Um, but yeah, it's that, that's an important that's an important piece of it. And and just knowing knowing the brand, there's also just a a an awareness and thoughtfulness and reverence for like the planet as well. So we're talking about like that inner. Yeah ecosystem and then in what ways is the way you do uh your symbiotic and just business in general thinking about the planet at large yes i mean we we always say like health somehow somewhere along the way humans decided that their health was more important than the our home and which i which i think is like kind of created a, an interesting divide and a lot of hypocrisy and like our, our behavior, right? Of the things that we say we care about. You know, running a sustainable business is like is is and for and defining sustainability for your business is um and for your company and the way you show up in the world is really challenging. It's you know, everything it it plays out, I think, in probably every single touch point um of the way that you show up for your team, the way you recruit, the way you show up for the planet. Um, and, and I think like people sometimes think, Oh, like make it recyclable, make it use some things so that like with a stamp on it or certification, and then all of a sudden, like you're a sustainable company. And yes, we are incredibly committed to new biomaterials. We actually, by the time this comes out, our new, uh, we are like, I think second company in the world to create an algae corrugate box, which means we use algae paper for, for our box. We are, uh, we have, we, we had our mycelium packaging, which I think you guys mentioned, but we've actually even found a new material 
uh, that's even more sustainable. Um, as much as I, I love mycelium, uh, it was quite, it was heavy uh, and expensive. So I think we... And mycelium is scoured. mushroom, just for everyone listening to it. Yes, it's mushrooms. Yes, yep. Yeah. Yeah. And so that we started off um, because you can grow that packaging in trays actually, which is really fascinating. Um, and so we we scour the world for new materials and, and th- ways of thinking about moving away from single-use plastics where possible, thinking about compostability and thinking about... And, and also just, you know, look, I think one of the things that while we are not as big as like, you know, a Walmart of the world or some of the companies that actually, if they made a change, you could actually move the needle you see this stuff, it's like fashion, right? Like it starts on the runway and then it ends up in fast fashion. And so like you ha- you have to, these things start to guide consumers towards um, purchasing behaviors that they then start to expect and look for. And it's the little companies, like a lot of the reasons bigger companies don't use it is because a lot of those companies that are pursuing new materials are so small and new that they can't um, hit the cogs or hit the numbers that like a big company would need. But what little companies can do like us is we can be the first experimenters. Um, we can be the first ones that also allow those companies to figure out how to scale themselves so that when Walmart knocks on their door, when one of these big companies knock on their door, they've been able to get to a place um, that they've worked out some of the kinks um, with companies like ours that can be more high touch and a little bit more agile. And so when we think about sustainability, you know, it's not always oh, just get the recyclable, compostable new thing and like throw it in your supply chain. But we also think about how we can support other companies that are trying to move the needle forward that if they can reach scale, actually could make even more impact than we could. So I think that's like just one example of some of the sustainable ways I think we we certainly think. And then I think and we're also going to be... We're working on like a really interesting, I think, approach to carbon calculations and analysis um, and carbon negative pathways for, for us, but we're going to, we're making it um, accessible for any company that wants to, wants to do it and follow the playbook. So we're, we're going to launch something in that, in that world uh, early next year. So a lot of it is like, you know, we open source all our packaging sources on our website. And I think we just feel like if more, if more companies can benefit from the hours of <laughs> and months and years of work that we do, um, I think to be honest, I think that's that's where like the better change will come from and ripple out um, more so than us just like patting ourselves on the back for awesome packaging. That makes sense. Yes, <laughs> that's so dope. Also, too, I mean, I think we talked about this before, but uh, last time was like about Seed University, how you guys work mm-hmm. with influencers. Like, yeah. there's just so many aspects of what you guys do that's so forward thinking and that's so progressive and it's just so smart. You know, it's so cool to see someone like you running your own company and being able to execute upon ideas that you probably wish you mm-hmm. saw in the world previously. Yeah. Um yes. NC University, you know, for everyone listening is their influencer program where they educate mm-hmm. influencers on the product um so that they can speak to it um yeah. from an educated perspective. Yeah, not just the product. We we actually think I think the product's like one small chapter, and then everything else is just like microbiome and microbes, and actually more about like some of the environmental work that we do. And um, yeah, I think as I said, sometimes we're really bad salespeople salespeople because no, we could probably make a lot more money not putting all that friction in the process. As you can imagine, we have thousands of people in the queue on like something like share a sale, but. We really, we just admit the people who are willing to learn because, and, and we create that friction and, and put education um, into the, 
into the process because our real belief, and this goes back to sustainability. Um, we, you know, we, we launched the program with the hashtags, hashtag ad, hashtag accountable. And I mm. think everyone who posts for us, um, they sign a year, they recommit to this kind of accountability every year through a manifesto. They have to actually sign and, and they have to use those hashtags and they have to use them first. And I think that that's, again, like where you get to more sustainable systems in this case with better information and transparency for consumers or people wanting to make decisions for their health. I think that's where, you know, that that's to us, like where we can be the most resilient, right? As a brand mm-hmm. and a company, which is do, do the things you wish you, you wish as a, as a human, you wished other people sh- who are putting something in your body, like you wish that's how they showed up in the world. And so we really think that education and accountability are all part of sustainability. And we, as we know, so much health information and misinformation gets propagated in the name of commerce. And so I think we just try and figure out like all the ways that we can just say, hey, you could actually maybe make more money because people are dying for transparency and and wanting to feel a little bit more educated and they don't want to just be told something and not know if it's true and not know if there's um, if you yourself who are promoting it did any work to really figure out like is this something that I should put my name and my community to um, and I think we think like if if you just took that and thought about it across all the things we do I think that's just how we try and show up in the world. And, uh, and actually, and it's working for a, particularly for that program. I think people feel really grateful that someone took the time to just say like, Hey, it's not just about grabbing your links and like, here's a code and get to work. Like it's not, you know, we'll send you a check. I think, I don't know if, I don't know if anyone wants to build long-term relationships that way. Admirable. It's amazing. It's so, yeah, it's revolutionary to be honest. And I think a lot of other, it's just cool. Exactly. Like you said too, the, the analogy about, um, runway fashion to fast yes. fashion really, mm-hmm. really struck me. And I really think that's the truth. And educating the consumers enough or providing like the opportunity for people to get educated on it and then demanding it or requesting it from, you know, everyone is really the goal. So we love you guys and we just mm-hmm. love what you're doing. Like having Thank a 360 you. brand like that, that's conscious about sustainability, efficacy, the environment, health is just so profound. So thank you for what you do for sure. Yeah. Thank you for seeing it. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate that. Truly. Um, well, I'm excited to share this. I think it's super timely. Mm-hmm. And for anyone that does not know about Seed, where can they find more information about just education oh, okay. and about the product? Yeah. So it's really easy. We're seed.com. And on Instagram, we're at Seed. Cute. Easy, easy. easier. <laughs> and we have um, a 20% discount code. So we use the code almost30seed.com. But yeah, it's it's been incredible and it's really changed. I mean... Skin. I, yeah, skin, energy, um, immunity, obviously. But even as I think entrepreneurship, just to kind of like loop that into, and I'm sure you can mm-hmm. relate where you really have to up your game and how you take care of yourself. And the microbiome is a part of us that maybe we don't think about initially because it's not something we can necessarily see, but it's something that affects obviously everything. So it's been really integral to our um, routine to incorporate the symbiotic. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. I'm glad you guys have had a great 
experience. I always say like, if you, once you really like understand the micro, it's like seeing the matrix, like you can never unsee it. A hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> just the truth. Even ever. talking about it, I'm like, I keep thinking about, I'm like, oh, I'm going to get some sweet green for lunch. I'm like, I'm going to yeah. feed the rainforest. <laughs> um, thank you so much. This was so much fun. Tell the team we said hi. And uh, uh, we definitely will. Yes. Thank you guys. We love, we love you guys. And oh. um, I was really looking forward to this. I love Same. you. I Us wish too. it was. I wish it was microbes to microbes, know. but you know, One there's day. a pandemic. This so. whole, this whole, I want to take a picture of like your whole setup. I know it's, like, it's stunning, amazing. Like go for it. <laughs> like so stylish. It's just beautiful. Truly. Um, thank, well, I'm sorry. My light didn't work, but, no. um, but I can see you guys perfectly. Your light is not okay. so glow. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it's my microbiome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. Bye. We'll see Thank you guys. Bye. 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 Thank you so much, Ara. That was incredible. Thank you so much to Seed. If this episode resonated with you, send it to a friend who needs more information about immunity and health during these times. And if you want to try Seed, you can use code ALMOST30 for 20% off your first month. First month of that daily symbiotic. Thank you all for listening. We appreciate you. You can find out more about Almost 30 at almost30.com. Visit our shop, shopalmost30.com for courses and downloadables and work bo- workbooks, workboxes. Wow, <laughs> we should do workboxes. Yes, that's next. Uh, to support you in your evolution. We love you. We'll see you next time. We'll see you soon. 